Welcome to the Australian Hiker Podcast, Australia's longest running hiking podcast downloaded over 1 million times worldwide and providing you with an Australian perspective on all things hiking. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage, coming to you from a Wabagal country. Before we get into today's episode, if you'd like to help support Australian Hiker and this podcast, there are a couple of ways that you can help us out. Firstly, by subscribing on your podcast host of choice so that each episode is available as soon as it's published. And if you have the opportunity, leave us a five-star review. Another way to support us is go to the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au and click on the supporters page and buy us a coffee. You can do a one-off donation or become a monthly supporter. All donations are greatly appreciated and help us to continue producing this podcast and blog. Now let's get on to today's episode. In October 2023, Jill and I took part in the Kokoda Challenge at Lake Macquarie, New South Wales. The aim of the Kokoda Challenge is to raise funds for the Kokoda Youth Foundation's programs and the work that they do. This foundation is a non-profit organisation that aims to help kids in our local communities. The Foundation also honours the Australian soldiers who fought for our freedom in Papua New Guinea during World War II by spreading awareness about this story and legacy. This episode consists of three segments, with the first being an interview with the Kokoda Youth Foundation Chief Executive Officer, Jolene Nelson, to find out more about her organisation and the work that they do, and what the Kokoda Challenge is all about. In the second segment of this episode, you'll hear a series of recorded interviews about our experience on the day of the Kokoda Challenge, which also includes interviews with other participants, as well as an event volunteer. And finally, Jill and I will do a wrap-up of the challenge and the great work this organisation does. Jolene, thank you for taking the time to chat with Australian Hiker about the Kokoda Youth Foundation and the Kokoda Challenge. Thank you, Tim. I really appreciate you spotlighting our organisation and for coming to Lake Macquarie and experiencing what the Kokoda Challenge events are all about. Now, before we discuss the Kokoda Youth Foundation and the Kokoda Challenge, give us a bit of a brief background to yourself, just a bit of a, your general background and are you much of a hiker? Yes, uh, well, a uh, general background, I'm um, a 45-year-old mother of four uh, that are now pretty much adults with my youngest, 17 and a half. I um, started my career in federal politics, heading off to Canberra, but during that association, I got to know of the Kokoda Youth Foundation, and whilst on maternity leave with that youngest daughter, I ended up doing some voluntary work for Kokoda Youth Foundation, and then shortly after, became their first employee all those years ago. So um, I have spent quite a, a significant time in the founding years of the Youth Foundation and um, and I'm really pleased at where we're at 19 years down the track. Okay. And, and as I said, are you much of a hiker at all or is this oh, this, yeah. this is by default that you've, you've become a hiker? I probably wasn't much of a hiker before I started with the foundation, but I have definitely become a hiker. I do love hiking. Um, I have done most of the big climbs in southeast Queensland and if I venture interstate I certainly include hiking in our holiday plans. I um, have done the Kokoda Track in Papua New Guinea and interestingly enough I'm heading off tomorrow to Malaysia to head to Borneo to do the Sandakan Death March as a section of that as well so yes I'm, I'm very much into hiking. Now let's start with the Kokoda Youth Foundation. What is it and what does it do? Well, the Kokoda Youth Foundation is a public benevolent charity that has been operating for over 19 years 
on the Gold Coast, Brisbane, uh, the Tweed region and um, even Melbourne for, for just shy of a decade. As our name suggests, we are a charity that is primarily focusing on supporting young people. Uh, we offer a variety of youth programs which are all designed to help young people realise their full potential. We offer this through um, exercises and activities, primarily bushwalking, which you know bring about increased resilience, confidence, um, life skills, and and more importantly, friendships, because everything we do is in teams as well. You mentioned you were just about to head over to um, uh, Borneo, and I believe you're also taking a group of uh, of young people with you as well. Absolutely, I am heading there. Um, of the youth programs that we offer. Um, I'm heading off tomorrow with our KCYP program, which is actually our flagship program that we have been operating uh, since we commenced uh, back in 2004. It is essentially the kids as part of this program will go undertake, it's a nine-month program and they undertake six months of physical training, which is hiking every Sunday. They will seriously meet us at five o'clock, drive to our hiking locations and we hike all day and we start with distances of about 10 to 12 kilometres and we build that right up to their 42-kilometre night training hike before we actually do the 96-kilometre hike with them on the Gold Coast, but they will do that in one stint. And then we change our training and get ready for pack training to head them over overseas this year. We are going to Borneo. In in the past, we've always gone to Kokoda to walk the Kokoda track and PNG. How many kids are you taking with you, did you say? Uh, we have two branches this year, so we, we have got a uh, team of 28 with kids from both Gold Coast and Brisbane branches. We generally keep with 12 kids in each branch, but we did take on a few extra this year and they've been successful in sticking through the program as well. Now, let's look specifically at the Kokoda Challenge, and I think that's, from, from my perspective, that was a, a name I recognised, whereas I wasn't quite familiar with the Kokoda Youth Foundation. So... How did this challenge come about? So initially, our founder, um, Doug Henderson, and his wife, Emma Henderson, Doug war, is a Vietnam veteran, ironically, and he were, was working in the forefront of Veterans Affairs in an advocacy role for Vietnam veterans when he attended a dinner and heard the story of the Kokoda campaign in 1942. And the feeling he felt was twice, two, two feelings. He felt initially ashamed, ashamed that he as a veteran did not know about this story and just how significant it was to shaping Australia and, and protecting our sovereignty. Second thing he felt was inspired. The story that he heard about our diggers from the 39th Militia and the 53rd Battalion, just ordinary men sent to, you know, ordinary men that were considered not good enough fight over in our battles that were going in Palestine and other areas, were sent to, to PNG to, you know, basically man an airstrip and then the might of the Japanese Imperial Force were upon them coming through Papua New Guinea en route for Australia. So what these guys did in extreme adversity and the attributes they showed are, are the kind of attributes that anybody can draw inspiration from and, and if, you know, followed in, in normal life, they bring around great success. And it's not about being the best or the, or the bravest. It's certainly about courage, and sacrifice, endurance, and, and mostly mateship. So Doug set about making sure the legacy of these guys got out to the community and thought the best way to do that was with young people. At the time, um, there was a bit of a bad rap about how teenagers are only getting into trouble and so forth. And he thought he'd grab these kids and, and see if they wanted to do, you know, go to P&G and learn about this. So he thought, well, I can't just send them over there. I can't ask them to walk a 96-kilometre hike. So I'm going to get them together and train every weekend. And then before you knew it, you know, he thought, I can't just have them. You know, these kids don't 
really know right from wrong. So I need to have some structure and I need to have some boundaries. And he applied some of these army principles that he learnt there. And um, before he knew it, these kids were turning up week in, week out. They were putting one step in front of the other. They were following direction, working as a team, hiking as a team. And um, their confidence, uh, their increased resilience, the reports coming back from the schools and their parents, they just couldn't believe the change in these young people. And um, it all culminated when they did get to go to PNG that year and walk the track, which was amazing. But Doug then had to realise how he was going to pay for this. And he thought another way to get the legacy of this story out there was to replicate a hike here in the Gold Coast hinterland where people would attempt to walk those 96 kilometres all at once and they would pay a fee to come along and do it if we set out a course. And he said, of course, they, they can't just do those 96 kilometres any old time. They have to do it in a set time. So he uh, set the time at 39 hours, which represents the 39th militia, which was the soldiers that were on the ground in PNG. And then uh, apart from that, the other thing which was different to other events was you couldn't just do it on your own. You had to do it as a team of four. And those four pillars represented those values which are enshrined um, at the Uzura Memorial in in, in, uh, in Kokoda, and that's um, endurance, courage, sacrifice and mateship. And mateship certainly was why you have to do this as a team event. And that's how Kokoda started. <laughs> okay. Now, you mentioned the teams and certainly going on and having a look at the website, it, it is a requirement that people travel as a team. It's not a matter of... Yeah, you know, one person finishes three hours before another. So again, you you mentioned the whole whole idea of working as a team. How do you find people go with that? Because I mean, I, I suppose you know, traveling as a team it means you're going to be traveling at the distance of the slowest person. Do, do people cope with that quite well? Or very good question because it is something that a lot of people do struggle with. But it is why this event is unlike any other event you can probably participate in. Uh, this is an event that doesn't just push you physically, it pushes you mentally and it certainly pushes you emotionally. It is like a, a very unique experience because you do have to, we do have very strict requirements that you cannot go into a checkpoint along the challenge and not have your team with you. And if there's more than 100 metres, you risk disqualification from the event. So you you need to stay really close out there. And that's because we want you all looking after one another. The, the skill sets you get in life from having that tolerance and patience and and respect for your fellow teammates, that's all part of the experience. And it does push you at times. And I know people struggle a lot because, you know, if you're a hiker and you, some people just love hills and you get to the top quick and you're happy to sit there and take your break and, and wait for the rest of the team to join you. But, you know, other people really struggle with that concept. So, so this event, it really isn't, it is about hiking and being in nature, but it is also about what you're capable of and, and, and testing yourself as well as an individual, as well as a community. So they do struggle. But it's also one of the things everybody raves about afterwards as well in our feedback. I believe there's a number of distance options. What are those distances and why do you have them like they are? So initially when we started this event, there was only 96 kilometres. And about uh, three or four years later, we thought we've got to put in a 48 kilometre because some of the school teams wanted to put in, but they didn't want their kids out there doing that. So we started with the introducing a 48 kilometre and we, we filled out really quickly within the first, uh, by year four, all our, because we, we have a, a limit on the number of people that can go into the national parks in, in each of the areas we hold these events. And we sold out, uh, by year four, we were selling out within 48 hours. So 
we started seeing there was demand for this and we thought, well, we might hold another little event in Brisbane, but we won't do the full 96 up there because that's logistically quite an expensive and, and big operation. So we started offering the half event at the 48 and then another event came in soon after at 30 kilometres. But uh, we are a youth foundation and a lot of schools pick up what we do as well from hearing about our youth programs to how they can get the kids involved in our event. And uh, that's why we introduced an 18-kilometre. We could drop our age limits a bit and allow nine-year-olds to participate in this event. And so now we offer in all in most of our locations, um, except for Gold Coast, the 18, the 30 and the 48-kilometre. And we have found that even though we introduced that for young people, it's just opened up. Um, more people more often getting to get a taste of the Kokoda legacy because everybody, no matter what fitness you're at in hiking or bushwalking, there's an option available for you to participate. Now, is is, is there a favourite distance out of those? Well, if we had to go on stats, 48 kilometres seems to be the most popular when given the option of, you know, 96, 48 or 18. How, that, that's just on the stats from our numbers that come in on the events. Yep. However, having said that, each event uh, varies differently. It seems to be if we have, you know, on um, Brisbane or Sunshine Coast or Lake Macquarie where there's, you know, 18, 30 or 48, people tend to go the middle one. It's the 30 because it's like, well, 18 is too little, but 48 sounds too hard. So I'll do the 30. And, and on Gold Coast where we offer 30, 48 and 96, 48 is also the real popular one. Yeah. So it might be a mindset more than anything. Do, do the one in the middle. Yes, do the one where, you know, if I do the small one, I might seem like I'm, I'm not really good, but if I do the bit, you know, through the middle, I'm, I'm right. So, yeah. In relation to setting the courses, what do you look for? You know, are you looking for point A to point B? Are you looking for a loop? Are you looking for a variety of, of, uh, of elevation change? How do, you, how do you pick the route? We are absolutely looking for a variety of elevation change. The thing about our event is we – we really proudly and can proudly say the 96 kilometre on the Gold Coast is tough, Australia's toughest team event. It is a tough course. We do set our courses to be tough. These aren't flat courses. We seek good elevation. We seek pretty scenery as much as we can get. We seek safe scenery as well. We like to make sure that our areas are safe as in as minimal road crossings or encounters with cars or anything like that. And we also are looking in our courses for them to be environmentally sound as well. As so, so we're not making too big an impact, but it's places that um, could take our event on that path. So we have a variety of issues of things we look at, but mainly we're looking at something that's very challenging. We don't want this to be a walk in the park. Okay. Now, um, I believe you've been, like everybody else in the country, you've been impacted by COVID and from what you were saying previously that uh, you used to hold this in Melbourne and that changed post-COVID and now the Lake Macquarie uh, walk, which is the one that Jill and I are going to be doing, this is the first outside of Queensland since COVID, I believe? Absolutely, it is. It's actually uh, is our first outside Queensland and it's our first time in New South Wales to be holding the event. So it is quite exciting. As I said, we did previously hold in Melbourne, but COVID did um, shut that down. Made it quite hard as a, a, we are based in Queensland headquarters. But um, uh, we're very excited to be heading to this region. We do see lots of potential. It's a very beautiful region. There's also a, a, a lot of supporters down there that I think uh, would benefit from our 
not not the event as such, but more what we come with after the event. So when we roll out to a new location, we take our youth programs to that location. So we will be taking uh, one of our youth programs down to Lake Macquarie after this and hoping to expand our base where um, we might offer three or four of the different youth programs that we offer as well for that community. So that's the view. We, we look at the locations we go to with the view to um, what potential there is to spread our support as a youth program as well. Okay. Now, um, the fact that you're sort of spreading out a bit, is it is this a, a long-term aim, if you like, to take the Challenge Australia-wide? Yes, we would. We would absolutely. The great thing about the Kokoda Challenge is um, we're an organisation that has now stood the test of time for 19 years and we are essentially self-funded. So all the youth that we have helped over the year and our major programs that totals up to um, our significant bushwalking programs, which are all either six to nine months long. So we've helped over 850 young people. And then if we include our short course programs, there's another couple hundred on top of that. We are very much about getting out to those local communities and spreading this. And we do that by getting the funding from the local communities when we take our Kokoda Challenge there and then we pour that back into that community. So for us, we've got a model that we feel we can definitely go Australia-wide and offer support for young people and also spread the Kokoda spirit, as we call it, the legacy of our diggers far and wide as well because it's really life-changing for young people when they learn about it and embrace it. But um, we've learned over the years that those doing our events, when they feel it, even as adults, it really brings community. As far as the Lake Macquarie weekend is concerned, and that's on the 14th and 15th of October 2023, how many participants are you expecting for the weekend? Have you got a, a rough guide to what that's going to look like? Yes, at this stage, uh, uh, it is our inaugural event there and we are looking to probably have just over 500 participants, which is good for the inaugural year. Um, I think on the on the Gold Coast, when we first had it, we had 62 teams of four, so, um, uh, uh, you know, close to that same number and within three years we had thousands competing. So look out Lake Macquarie. I think while well, this will be one of those smaller, you know, a nice intimate event this year, it will certainly grow in coming years. Okay, so one final question. What next for the Kokoda Youth Foundation and the Kokoda Challenge? Yes, well, certainly. Um, we as an organisation um, just recently held a five-year strategic plan to make sure we know where we are going into the future. COVID taught us that a little bit of our planning and, and structure is necessary. And certainly, we certainly want to become a charity of national significance. So we are looking to spread that footprint about our events and our youth programs um, nationwide and branch out into at least two other states in Australia within the next five years. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so we've been talking with Jolene Elson about the Kokoda Youth Foundation and the Kokoda Challenge. Jolene, thanks for taking your time to chat with us today. Thank you, Tim. I really appreciate it. In this next segment of this podcast episode, you'll hear some recordings that were done starting prior to the beginning of the walk, throughout the day and at the end of the day, including recordings from both Jill and myself, from another team at the start and the end of the race, and also from a race volunteer, just to see what their job involves. Good morning. It's Saturday the 14th of October, and we're up here at Lake Macquarie to do the Kokoda Challenge. This is a fundraising event for the Kokoda Youth Foundation, and 
there's three lengths of walks as you would have listened to in the previous interview uh, 18, 30, and 48 kilometres. And Jill and I have opted to do the 18 kilometres. <laughs> I'm not sure whether it was opted or whether, you know, there really wasn't any other choice for a, a whole day walk, I think, yeah. So, yeah, it's um, we haven't po- chosen to do the longer walks. I think, yeah, not quite as fit as I'd like to be to do the longer walks at the moment. Uh, and certainly doing podcast interview and doing social media as well tends to slow the process down. So the official kickoff is at 7 o'clock and we are going to be starting after that. And I believe the, the runners, those that are running these distances, will kick off first and then the walkers will go off and head on from there. Lots of people at the moment milling around, getting ready, uh, getting coordinated to to kick off and start. So uh, we're looking forward to it and hopefully the weather's looking pretty good, although it will get a bit warm this afternoon, but we should be finished by that stage. Yeah, it's a really nice day, Um, no cloud and lots of people getting excited, I think, and a whole range of different age groups, which is great to see. So, you know, the whole sort of... uh, demographic of society you can see here and everybody's getting a little bit pumped up I think uh, the coffee's flowing and uh, you can get a egg and bacon roll an egg and bacon roll to keep you started but some people are keeping it uh, fresh and uh, natural and having fruit and bananas and those sorts of things so looking looking forward to it it's an area that we haven't explored very much um, and you know it's a uh, bit of an elevation climb I think over the day it's about 540 something um, meters uh, from where we are from what I can work out and uh, I think the first part of the day is going to be the the tough bit it's uh, pretty much uphill given that we're doing the 18 kilometers we then get to do a bit of a loop and come back down the hill so um, uh, I'm hoping the latter part of the walk is going to be the easier part because that's when it's going to be a bit warm and uh, probably a bit sticky. Okay, we will talk to you through the day as we go. And we are talking to a team called the Wandering Ramblers, who uh, we discovered this morning are doing the 48-kilometre walk. Uh, We're only doing the 18, so we're taking it a bit easier. So we decided to have a chat to them to see why they're doing this walk and what they're hoping to achieve out of it and how they think they're going to go. So... Anthony, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for the uh, interview. Okay, so why did you decide to do this walk? Um, well, I actually got on the Coda track, uh, and I've been doing that for about 10 years, and I've recently moved up to the Central Coast and uh, joined a gym where I do a bit of coaching, and uh, some of the guys there are always sort of keen on what I did with the, the trekking, and I thought, oh, there's a great opportunity when I saw that the Kokoda Challenge were doing something here. So I thought, hey boys, let's just get something started. Let's group together and uh, have a go at the 48 kilometres. And here we are. And I'm, I'm gathering by the look on the look on the others' faces that they probably didn't realise they were doing 48 kilometres. Oh, they're, they're pretty excited, <laughs> you know, like the training. And look, I think for us it was also we got an opportunity for to explore more of the Central Coast. Like I've only just moved up here. The guys have been here for a while, but. Um, you know, feedback was that they really enjoyed the training side of it because they got to see a lot more of the coast that they thought that um, that didn't exist really. So it was, it was good in that aspect. But uh, no, no, we're, we're excited, ready to go. Mitch is excited, Matt's excited, Liam's <laughs> getting there. <laughs> okay, so we'll move on to Mitch next. So, Mitch, yes. Um, why did you decide to do this walk and um, you know, how do you think you're going to go over 48 kilometres? 
Uh, we just thought it'd be something a bit of a challenge. Uh, all the guys we chatted about it and uh, thought something we haven't done before. So we thought, why not? We'll give it a go. And look, we're not going to break land speed records, but I'm confident we'll finish uh, 48 in a, in a reasonable reasonable time. That's all right. And have you done this sort of distance before, or this is going to be the biggest walk you've done? Uh, this is probably twice as far as we've uh, done so far. So <laughs> we thought we'd throw ourselves into the deep end to start with. That's right. It's looking like it's going to be a nice sort of day. I mean, it's going to get a bit warm later on, but I think it's uh, quite pleasant at the moment. Okay, thanks. So now we'll move on to Matt. Yep. Okay, Matt. Um, so again, is this uh, is this one of the uh, the longest walks you've done? Definitely. Um, I think the furthest we went was twenty k um, in our in our training. But um, look, I think we'll I think we'll be fine. Uh, it'll be challenging. I think it's going to be quite warm, but. A bit of bit of midnight, midnight oil get us through the last yeah, the last twenty k. Australian rock in the system. <laughs> yeah, no, so it's. Mate, I think it's just a good good to have something to work like to train towards and like good bunch of blokes and good way to spend your time. Okay, and now Mitch was saying you've 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 seen areas that you hadn't really seen around here before. Is that that sound about right? It does. Yeah, I'll close it down to where we're from uh, around Budai and and um, Brisbane Water um, areas where places that we've been, but different tracks and things which we've been exploring trying to get further distances and whatnot so no it's been good we've discovered a lot of new stuff so mate, that in itself is, is worth worth doing with even if you're not training for anything so but yeah no looking forward to it mate all right that's great okay and now on to the last of the wandering ramblers liam how are you Good, good. Okay, now Liam, Liam might get the impression he's probably the least enthusiastic about 48, <laughs> the 48, 48 kilometres. Yeah, no, I'm excited. It's good. We're looking forward to it. It's been good. It's been good training with the guys, the mateship, and yeah, no, it's been great. So we're looking forward to it. All right. Now, what do you think is going to be the, the hardest, apart from the, say, the distance, what do you think is going to be the hardest part of this walk? Probably about the halfway mark when we realise. Uh, sorry, they're just pointing at Anthony. Um, so no, probably about the halfway mark to be honest. Like when we realise we're only halfway and just trying to get through that mental barrier. But that's the intent of it is the mateship and the training that we've been preparing for. So I think we're well prepared as prepared as we could be for people who haven't done this kind of event before. Um, we've got Anthony leading the way, so he's got some tunes for us to keep us going. So yeah, looking forward to it. All right, now that's great. So we've been talking to the Wandering Ramblers. Uh, we will hopefully catch up with them roughly around about 10 hours from the start of the track, which is at 7.30, and see how they went for the day. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. Pleasure, and good luck to you. Good morning. We've been going for an hour now, so it's around about 8.50. We have gone just on four kilometres, so we're going at a pretty good pace and that's with probably the steepest hill of the whole track, uh, uh, within sort of about three or four hundred metres of starting the trail. Yeah, it was a bit of a um, surprise. Well, for us anyway, uh, the organisers knew about it, but uh, and uh, a big heart starter. Uh, there was a bit of puffing up that one. I think it's the steepest hill I've been up in a very long time. Uh, but you know, it's doable, and you know, once it's done, you get into the undulating. Um, we're now on um, a four-wheel drive track. The one we're on is um, a little bit cut up, um, but it's so dry. Um, and I think that's probably something that we're going to be seeing for, you know, pretty much the whole run through. It's interesting. I mean, now the whole concept of this walk is to stay together as a team and support to support your mates. And you know, it's not a race. Uh, and in fact, you're you're disqualified if you if you separate out and go through a checkpoint and you don't have your team together. So it's 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 interesting because. We started in waves, and the 18-kilometre walkers had two waves, and we were in the second one. 
and people tend to be traveling in groups and we're almost traveling as a pack. So it's while it's not a race, you sort of feel like you're sort of pushing along as a result. As Jill mentioned, it's, it is very dry, uh, surprisingly so. I uh, really did, didn't think about it being as dry as it has or it is. Um, uh, but it's quite nice. We're just sitting here off the side of the track. You can hear the birds in the background and it's quite pleasant. Yeah, and everyone's past us now, and so we've got the uh, the crew uh, waiting now. They, they'll, they'll be the, the sweepers. The sweepers, yes, that's right. Um, so they'll be waiting uh, until we get up and walk off. But it is very pleasant, and as Tim uh, said, um, you know, um, pacing yourself I think is important, and also having breaks. And I'm not sure that people have quite got their heads into that yet so we're, we're very refreshed some people have just walked past us who don't look so refreshed maybe they need to take a break but I guess that's up to them I think people are waiting for the first proper checkpoint but I'm not quite sure how far away that is but um. I thought that was around about nine kilometers which is about the halfway mark so we've still probably got another hour to go to that checkpoint but we'll see how we go okay we'll just finish off here and head on it's 10.06am. We've been going now for two hours and 18 minutes and we just picked a good spot on the side of the trail just to have a, a short break and just to do a recording. We've done just on uh, eight kilometres, so we've got 10 kilometres left to go. Another uphill section and we also went uh, through one of the major checkpoints that are around about just over five kilometres. Yeah, it's a well-marked trail. Um, uh, certainly Kokoda Challenge has put a lot of effort into making sure uh, people can stay on the track and, and don't get lost in any way. Uh, so that seems to be working out um, quite well. Uh, and, you know, we're walking through some really nice forest, uh, state forest. Um, it's very pleasant and um, you get a sense that not many people make it this kind of direction or, um, you know, venture too far. Still quite dry, um, so it's a little bit ominous for the the coming summer. But um, uh, one of the, the sweepers um, who's following behind was telling us that last week um, on the main trail, uh, the, the, the big divots um, and big ruts uh, in the management road were full of water. So yeah, we're, we're lucky with that. For probably about the last uh, 40 minutes, we've been walking around the back of the hill we're on, and it's been a bit more shaded. So uh, it's still a, a really hot day, although the forecast is 29, and there's a, just a bit of a, a cool breeze that's just come up, so it's been pretty good. All right, we will keep on going. It's 11.30. We're at the second checkpoint. We'll just pass it sitting on a log. And we've been going for three hours and 40 minutes, and we've done 12.7 kilometres. Yeah, so um, another nice part of the walk. Um, it's a really lovely part of um, the world. So it's quite pleasant, a bit up and down. We're hoping that the next piece, uh, next kind of 6Ks or so, is going to be downhill. Uh, that's at least what it looked like from the profile. So um, we, for me, uh, it's probably time for me to get the walking sticks out because I haven't had them out up until this point. Yeah, temperature's sort of starting to get up now. It's around about 24 degrees at a forecast of 29 for the day, so you can definitely feel the heat getting up there. Uh, but thankfully, the mo majority of the rest of the trail is downhill, so we've done the majority of the uphill bits. But having said that, downhill can be just as hard as well. 
Okay, we're just going to have lunch and we'll head off. It's just on two o'clock. We've been in for probably around about 15, 20 minutes, having finished. Just under six hours in total for 18 kilometres. I don't know whether Jill's happy with me saying this. Apparently, we're the oldest two-person team on the day. <laughs> <laughs> which which was announced as we came uh, close to the finish line with a whole bunch of people sitting, you know, having some drinks and a bit of a refreshment. And I just thought... They could have said a lot of things. Did they have to say that? (laughs) The last section was pretty hard, uh, only because it's starting to get fairly hot. And as we speak, it's 27 degrees, so it's close on the maximum already. So, yeah, certainly feeling it. Yeah, um, that last bit coming in, um, it was mostly downhill, but that doesn't really make it any better when it's, uh, you know, hot. We were lapped uh, by some of the 30-kilometre people, which, you know, to be honest, didn't make us feel too bad. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, all in all, I think people tended to see it as kind of a as a challenge, as in a kind of race challenge, um, and, you know, wanted to start and finish as, as quickly as possible. We spent a lot of time, you know, sitting on the, the logs, uh, obviously doing the, the podcast recording and... A whole range of other things, just enjoying the environment. But we we seem to be in the minority in that regard. In the last two interviews for the on-trail portion of this podcast, we catch up with a trail volunteer to see what their role is in this event. And then we catch back up with the Wandering Ramblers, who finished roughly around about three hours after we did, which is pretty impressive for 48 kilometres. All right, so we're here at the uh, the start slash finish of the Kokoda Challenge, and we're going to be talking to Craig, who is a uh, a community member for Australian Hiker. But he he was the reason that we actually found out about this event and came up to do it and ran the interviews. So we thought we'd talk to Craig because Craig is a volunteer for this event, and like all these events which are raising money, uh, and in this case for the Kokoda Youth Foundation, it relies a lot on volunteers, and without them these events aren't going to succeed. So, Craig, thank you for taking the time to chat with us. Nice to meet you, Tim. Nice to meet you, Jill. So what does a track volunteer do for the Kokoda Challenge? Okay, so um, at the start of it, we um, we normally start two days out from the event. We do uh, a lot of track marking. Um, so um, every we make, try to make sure that um, no one would ever get lost on, on the courses. Some of the tracks are difficult to do. Um, so like take the area up here there's a lot of four drive tracks and there's a lot of off cuts and offshoots and so on that aren't on any maps so we've got to make sure that the track is positioned correctly and no one gets lost um, then on the Friday we set up the village so um, all the Kokoda um, tents and fences and marquees and everything else and so on so it looks really presentable photo worthy and stuff like that so everybody comes in and, and, and uh, make sure everything's happy we drop off the water everywhere, toilets everywhere, and um, basically just get ready for the main event on the Saturday. And then we have checkpoint captains. Um, most of the checkpoint captains are volunteers. We go out to every checkpoint and welcome everybody in. We make sure um, everything's running right, timing gear and so on. Uh, people know which way to go when they come to main junctions. And um, after the competitors go through, we may end up sweeping which means clearing a track out to a local leave-no-trace type of things.
All right, so that's before the event and during the event. So what happens now? The event is almost over. The last group should be in in the next, uh, next hour or so. So what, what's the procedure from, from there on? Okay, because it's only a small event and the very first time we've been here in New South Wales, there's only about 500 competitors, so we'll finish early. Um, somewhere like um, a typical 48, we have people coming in some anywhere up to like 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the morning. So we stay open and make sure that they're welcome at the same type of welcome as the very first competitor that comes through. So we all try to stay here as long as possible. Um, and then once the late, last competitor comes through, we start shutting down things. On a Sunday, we clean up everything and pack up everything um, in the, the um, sheds, in the trucks and that we all bring down and take it back to the um, office to um, wait for the next event. Okay, that's great. So we've been talking to Craig, who's one of the volunteers for the Kokoda Challenge. And as we said, the volunteers are the lifeblood of these sort of events that help get the, everything going and everything happening and make sure that all the money that's raised goes to the right places. Okay, thanks very much for, ta- for chatting with us. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Jill. And if, you're a vol- if you want to volunteer, please come along and do so. It's the best time you'll ever have. All right, so we're, we're back talking to the wandering ramblers who have finished their 48 kilometres much earlier than I expected, actually. I was thinking probably 6, 7 o'clock, but it's, uh, it's only just 5 o'clock now, so the 48-kilometre teams have done really well to get in here. Um, and, you know, the first couple of teams that got here were running, but even the walkers have done pretty well to get here in, in such quick time. So we've got a couple of captive audience here. They're actually sitting in the ice baths. So how do we go on the, the trip? Yeah, it was long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely uh, emotional rollercoaster, definitely some highs and lows. But overall, I think we, for the preparation we did, I think we did uh, outstanding for uh, three hours before what we were expecting. So, yeah, pretty happy and all. Yeah, so, I mean, how, how many hours did you, did you expect to take? Uh, we were aiming for anything under 12 was, yeah. was achievable for us. Uh, so coming in around nine hours is pretty awesome. So. I was going to say, I mean, you know, most people when they do marathons, they don't pick the, uh, the hilliest place they can find. There might be some hills, but this one definitely would have challenged a few people. So to, to do the times you have, you've done pretty well. So what about the hills? There was a couple of them, mate. Yeah, they were a bit of up and down, but, um, yeah, no, it's definitely challenged. And, yeah, it's really... Good to do it with the boys, to be honest, and get through it because, yeah, certainly there's some hard hills, and yeah, but we got through it to be honest. Had a great time, what the boys said. So, so I only did the 18, um, but so were the hills worse past once you got off the 18 course and started getting onto the longer courses? I think, see, after the checkpoint, there was a quite a big long hill there for a while that, um, yeah, challenges for a while, but um, yeah, so no, it was good. It's, it's certainly a, a really good trek and a challenge. It's been a great event, to be honest, what they've put on, so well, well done to the team. So. Okay, that's great. And how did you find it? Good, mate. I think, um, I think it was the, la- the last 10 the last ten Ks was a bit of a bit of a um, very character building, but but no one, no one ever really lost their lost their marbles. Everyone tried to stay positive, listen to some music, listen to some tunes. Even when the course went for actually 51 k's instead of 48, we still didn't blow up. Yeah, I found that. Well, I was doing 18, and I think my GPS ended up at about 20. So. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Yeah. No, but mate, um, overall, great event. Great event. No, it was good. Good day. And now we've got Anthony, the, the intrepid team leader. Um, so how do you think all the guys went? Oh, great. You know, really proud of the boys. You know, this is their first ever event of, of this sort of stature. So sort of get them over here and 
kick you know, the 48 kilometres. I think they're, I'm really proud of them, and they should be proud of themselves. And um, whether this is a precursor to the uh, New Guinea trip one day, uh, we'll wait and see. But um, no, really proud of them, and I think the Kokoda uh, Challenge guys, they did a really great job, and I hope um, it comes back bigger and better next year. Thanks a lot, guys. Much appreciated. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you. So that was our interview with Jolene Elson, the CEO of the Kokoda Youth Foundation, as well as our on-trail episodes. So just doing a bit of a recap, uh, for me, the Kokoda Challenge was a name that I had been aware of for a while, but I couldn't quite place why. And certainly the Kokoda Youth Foundation wasn't a name that rang a bell. So it was good to talk to Jolene to see how their connections are made. So with the Kokoda Youth Foundation, they run a number of programs aimed at a helping youth, and certainly you can get a lot more detail of this on their website, uh, and the information of where to find that will be on our show notes. But they run four main programs. The Digital Detox, which is help, aimed at helping to get youth disconnected from technology. Uh, it's very worthwhile and huge challenge. <laughs> the Kokoda Youth Program, which aims to build personal strength and resilience through hikes. Uh, and community volunteer service. Kokoda Pathways, which is mentoring in workplace readiness while learning personal and social development. And On the Right Track, which is physical training for the 48K Kokoda Challenge to promote self-discipline and tolerance. So all very good programs and all aimed at putting back into the community. So in talking to Jolene, she said that basically the, the money they raise goes back into the communities they come from. So we just completed the Kokoda Challenge on the weekend and that helped raise $70,000 from that event for the first year. That, that money will go back into community programs to help youth uh, where they can. So it's, it's a pretty good response. Yeah, and the other thing is that those programs that you mentioned, the youth that participate in them, they, they don't pay to participate. So... You know, that's a pretty important thing. All this money does go into real things on the ground. So that's a great thing to have. And I know from talking to Jolene, she was saying that, you know, the uh, one of the first programs they ran, they had teachers and parents say to them how much their kids had changed and how much more responsible and interactive and they'd become because of the programs that were being run. So you know, definitely achieving positive outcomes. Well, I guess a hike every week for six to nine months would probably do that. <laughs> it certainly would. Now, with the Kokoda Challenge, so Jill and I went up and, and it was the weekend of the 14th and 15th of October, but certainly the events run on the Saturday. But for us, we were traveling, traveled up from Canberra on the Friday, uh, did the event on the Saturday, then traveled back on the Sunday. And there were people that were taking part in the Lake Macquarie event that had come from Queensland. Yes, uh, these yeah. are people that had that had done it on the Gold Coast, liked it so much they'd come down to do the event, uh, another event further south. So that's pretty good. So the Kokoda Challenge is underpinned by four pillars, and that's courage, endurance, mateship, and sacrifice. So it was you know, we found this really interesting on the weekend. People were, I think, even though this is not a race. I think people were very, very competitive. There was no doubt about that. <laughs> they thought Jill and I were a bit strange because we were stopping every so often to take breaks, and that's just the way we hike. You know, every hour and a half we do stop. Yeah, I did announce that that for one group I said you had to take advantage of every log that you find um, and enjoy the view, and 
they did look at us a bit sideways wondering, <laughs> you know, what was going on there. But, you know, I mean, we did pretty well. We stopped all those places, all those logs, <laughs> and we were recording along the way and we still did pretty well. So these four pillars, I mean, the, the aim of this is that, as, as Jolene said, you walk as a team and you finish as a team. So, again, the whole concept of, all right, you've got a really fast runner or walker and they finish two hours before the last person doesn't cut it. You know, mm-hmm. you, you know if you, you go through a checkpoint and you're any more than a minute away from your team – Roughly, they will you know, they'll look at how far apart you are and potentially disqualify you because it is about staying together as a group, helping people within your group, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's the whole whole issue of mateship. And in some respects, I'd say sacrifice as well because I know it drove Jill insane uh, having her having to keep up with me because she's a faster walker than I am at the moment. So the problem was you couldn't keep up with me <laughs> was actually the problem. But anyway, there you go. I, I was, did find that frustrating. I just thought, come on, uh, come on, come on, come on, come on. And I must admit, looking at some of the other groups, every so often one person in the group would sort of break away then realise that they'd, they'd gotten a bit far and stop and wait for everyone to catch up. So it's, it's a, it is a hard thing when you, you – this is a team event and it's a hard thing to actually manage and think, okay, we have to stay together as a team. And, and we do have a little bit of a rule when we're out hiking, which is you have to be able to see the other person. You have to be able to visually uh, recognise where they are. So we – you know, we don't get too far apart, but I, th- I think, you know, when you've got good visibility, uh, we, we're possibly more than a minute apart a couple of times <laughs> yeah. until we got closer to the um, checkpoint. The teams for the open event are anywhere between two and four, uh, and certainly for us, we're a team of two, and there are a number of twos. There are also a number of threes and also a number so of fours. So apparently we're the oldest team of two, they announced as we came across the finish line which uh, didn't go down real well with me, let me tell you. But And they also do school groups as well. And the school groups, it's a team of four plus a teacher. And I'm sure, I'm sure probably a teacher slash parent would also rank in there as well. But I must admit the school groups we, uh, we saw on the day, I think the, the teachers looked, looked, looked a bit hard done by by the end of the group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, they'd had trouble keeping up. But um, I also think some of those young kids had done, you know, half as, half as much of the, of the distance again because they were just weaving all over the place. <laughs> There was a, weren't working in a straight line. No, there was a there was a group doing the eighteen kilometre walk, which is what we did. And the best way I can describe them is blowflies. They were they, <laughs> they were just all over the place. Uh, and it's too much energy. Yeah, and I think yeah, if, if they had have walked in a straight line, they probably would have covered thirty kilometres. So <laughs> trying to get them disciplined to stay in, in place. But again, they 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 just rocketed away, and we never saw them again for the rest of the day. So they obviously got there, finished much for much further ahead than we did. The, the events, as we mentioned, 18 kilometres, 30 kilometres and 48. We opted for the 18, which is, I think it was a good move. For us, you know, we were stopping to record podcast uh, interviews as well and that sort of slowed us down a bit. But I think in all honesty, my fitness level is not what it should be. So I think you know, 18 kilometres, we finished that in under six hours. We probably could have done the 30 kilometres, but yeah, I think 18 was quite good. I'm, I'm not a fan of hiking in the heat and it was starting to get a bit hot by the end of the day. Yeah, it was. Um, and it was quite dry as well, dusty. So, you know, I think we did okay. We did okay with the 18. And because it's not a race, we did even better. Yeah. <laughs> now, on the trail itself, 
One of the comments I'd probably make here, and again, this is nothing to do with the event, but more the location. I was surprised, or we were both surprised at how dry it was. Yeah. Um, yeah and at one stage, uh, when we'd started, we stopped to do our first podcast recording. So we ended up being last out of the 18 kilometer walkers, uh, and for that matter, out of the 30 and 48 who had gone off before us. And just on that, we weren't actually last 18 kilometer people to finish. So let me just make that clear. But we, we were talking to the sweepers who were coming in behind us to make sure there was no one left behind and they were picking up unnecessary trail markers where because it was the uh, there was a bit of a loop to start with. So there was a section of trail where people weren't coming back on, so they were collecting all the trail markers. And they said about a week before the event, uh, the, the deep ruts in some of the roads were full of water. So very different sort of event had it had been held a week earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, it just surprised me. I mean, I'm so used to having so much water over the last few years to see it almost bone dry uh, was quite surprising. The landscape and the vegetation itself was quite good. We were going through a lot of state forests and straight state reserves, and that was pretty impressive. Uh, and again, it's an area I wasn't fil- uh, familiar with up at Wadigans. And you know, it was it was nice. It was enjoyable. We got views of Lake Macquarie, lo- views over to the the adjacent hills and 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 uh, I wouldn't say mountains, but uh, uh, high hills, low mountains, if we want to class them as that. And the trail itself, as Jolene mentioned. They don't just do a flat trail. So we've previously done a walking event uh, in Canberra, and while there were some uphill sections, it was a relatively flat course. Uh, In this case here, as they said, they deliberately aim to make the course challenging. And it, as a result, you, you know, the first hill was probably the worst where you were just going up. That was a steep hill, and and that was bitumen so that was just off the the local road but it was steep and then it turned into management road but um, I'm thinking the management road was a bit easier to cope <laughs> with than the bitumen but anyway as we said we did, we had a number of stops along the way we um, I think we probably had four stops in total including a lunch break <laughs> which was just just past the uh, uh, the the last checkpoint before we finished the race itself. Uh, and as I said, for us, we're used to a hiking perspective where every hour, roughly every hour and a half, we stop and have a break just to have something to eat. And uh, look around. I mean, that yeah. was the other thing. I think, you know, we were enjoying where we were and taking some photos and, uh, you know, just taking in the scenery. And, and certainly for us, it wasn't a race. It was just about enjoying the day as we were going. As you would have heard, we interviewed the wandering ramblers before and after the event itself. We'd had them teed up to interview at the start of the race and we were hoping to catch up with them later on as well, not realising they were doing the 48 kilometres. So we thought, oh, yeah, these guys are going to take 10, 12, 14 hours to finish <laughs> and we were going to have to come back at 10 It's not because they didn't look that fit. <laughs> no, it, but it was, you know, it was a long distance. And you know, in, in talking to them, they said that they, you know, they're apparently their biggest distance for most of the group was probably only about 24 kilometres. Yes. And they managed to complete their event in around about nine hours. And they said they originally were expecting to complete in 10 to 12 hours. So, you know, from their perspective, they did really well. And, you know, we, we finished our event, went back to our hotel, had a, a quick shower and came back again. And we were probably only there for about 
40 minutes before they came in. Mm-hmm. So they 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 did really well on their time and they certainly weren't the first group in. The first 48 group were in really quick. Yeah. Uh, but I think the first two groups that came in were actually running the they course. They were running. They were running. And and what was interesting about the uh, the rambling, the wandering ramblers um, was that the, there, was, there was a moment of disappointment when their GPS uh, reached – what was it, 52 kilometres? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, but we're not there yet. <laughs> and I think this is the thing with these uh, these sort of things. I When we go through and do hikes and measure the distances and do reviews, I've always got a dedicated hiking GPS as well as uh, I'm carrying a Fitbit and also a Sunto GPS watch, and they all read differently. Uh, I'm more trusting of the the full-on GPS. It's a bit more uh, uh, robust and dedicated piece of equipment, but it depends on what the settings are like. Yeah, that's uh, right. How sensitive you've got the settings. So yeah, I, you know, I think for us, we did. We were supposed to be eighteen point four seven kilometers, and I think we ended up with you know twenty point five kilometers according to my GPS watch. So again, it's always good to think oh, I've got a kilometer to go, and you think, oh, hang on, we're still a way out. So. Yeah, uh, and that that uh, walk back in uh, that was much longer than I had anticipated. I, I just, you know, it's at the end of the day. You're tired. You can't really see into the distance, so you can't get a sense of how much further until you get back to that bitumen road. Yeah, so that that sort of played with my mind a bit. In interviewing the wandering ramblers, it was interesting. You could tell uh, I, I interviewed them probably about fifteen minutes after they got back, and there were two of them were captive audience they were in the ice bath at the end of the trip mm-hmm. uh, and we were talking to them and you can just hear how tired they were they they did really well uh, but you could tell they were tired also we also had a chance to catch up with one of the volunteers from the event and again these sort of events that are fundraising for charity and fundraising really do rely on the volunteers and you know and the volunteers do so much work in helping these things out you know getting the courses set up getting everything in place you know doing marshalling exercises uh, sweeping all those sort of things that that have to be done and again because it's a fundraising event you can't afford to pay everyone uh, to do this because you end up not raising that much money so I think it's really good that uh, the volunteers this seems so enthusiastic and we talked to them apparently the uh, Craig who we interviewed said you know the first person in gets lots of enthusiasm but so does the last person you know you don't want to be the last person that's come in at nine o'clock at night nobody's there and there's no one to cheer you <laughs> on uh, and I can tell you these volunteers are pretty enthusiastic so yeah they yeah, are they, uh, you just listen to some of the videos but uh, uh, you know I think that that's kind of nice I mean they want everybody to have a great experience and they want everybody to feel welcome and walk away with a not just a sense of a, achievement but a sense of contribution as well okay so that was our experience with the Kokoda challenge the, the fundraising event for the Kokoda Youth Foundation really worthwhile uh, event we're glad we went through and did it and it's well worthwhile taking part of so as Jolene said, they're trying to go national uh, you know, in the coming years and they're, in the next five years they're trying to pick up two extra locations. So if there's one coming to you, um, it's certainly worthwhile joining in either as a uh, walker or as a volunteer if you're, you're feeling, feeling so inclined. And if there isn't one coming 
to you soon, then go and look for one that's maybe just a little bit further afield but still doable from your perspective. Now, if you go to the show notes for this podcast, uh, you'll see some photos from the day, uh, a video of the start of the event, which was the when the 48-kilometre uh, walkers kicked off, links to the Kokoda Challenge and the Kokoda Youth Foundation, and, and have a look and see if this is something you might want to be involved in or to take part in. Okay, we hope you've enjoyed this episode and has maybe enthused you to get active and involved in the next Kokoda Challenge event that comes your way. That's all for this week. Bye for now. And bye from me.